In episode 51 of MobyCast, we talk about the importance of continuous learning for both the software developer as well as the organization in general. Welcome to MobyCast, a weekly conversation about cloud-native development, AWS, and building distributed systems. Let's jump right in. Welcome, Chris and Rich. It's another episode of MobyCast. Hey. Hey, guys. Good to be back. Yeah, excited to have you here today. So we haven't done this in a while. Just tell me what you've been up to this week, Rich. Oh, man, on the spot. Mm-hmm. So about a week ago, I started just playing around with this side project. We have these these processes that we're trying to create. Well, we're trying to create more efficient processes on how we can get designs approved in the browser. And so I started to build an app within WordPress to do that. And it really wasn't meant to ever be anything. And then, you know, two days later, it's half finished and, and something that I'm excited about. So yeah, just building a web app in WordPress is probably the wrong platform to do it in. But I know, you know, it's what I know, and and it'll be functional and something we can use internally as like an MVP to see if it's something worth rebuilding into maybe you know a more applicable framework. Yeah, sounds cool though. It sounds like you're probably learning some new stuff, making something new. Yeah, it's keeping me up at night, which is not not a bad way. Like, yeah, it, it's been a decade since I stayed up late writing code, and I'm doing that again. And so it's it's interesting because I'm I'm, I'm not feeling the fatigue that I would have expected or that I right. normally get for staying up late because it's right. energizing. Right, that's great. How about you, Chris? What have you been up to? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, back in the office this week after doing some traveling last week. I was out in. Phoenix, Arizona for another one of the AWS certification item writing workshops. So getting to, again, fortunate enough to participate in writing these these exam questions for the certification test that Amazon has. So it's good good refresher for me and, and also it helps me prepare. I'm, I'm studying for the professional level exam. So looking if forward to it. If any cloud guru is listening, they, they like just <laughs> desperately want to talk to you about the answer is no. Sorry. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I noticed a theme there. Both of you are working on some new stuff, learning some new things. And that's what we're going to talk about this week. We're just going to talk about just the importance of continuous learning in this industry and just kind of the evolve or die, not mindset, not ethos, but just reality of working in software. You do get booted out of software or at least booted out of the, the sort of well-paying, you know, fun part of the, the dream of the software career if you don't evolve, you know. There, there may be some people out there that are still kind of hanging on their laurels of writing Cobalt code, but I imagine they're not having as much fun as people doing cool new stuff in the cloud. So, yeah, I guess maybe, Chris, you could tell us a little bit about why, how this all came up and why we're going to do an episode on this today. Yeah, so what happens, Rich and I were doing a little chit-chat while preparing for the, the previous episode of MobyCast and kind of talking about me going out and participating in this workshop for AWS to write these exam questions and kind of explaining, you know, just what it was. And it's, it's actually super challenging, right? Because you're in a room with mostly AWS employees that are, most of them are doing solution architect work as, as their career. They work for AWS. These are like super hardcore experts. So to kind of be in the same room with them and try to just level up. It definitely keeps you on your toes. It can be humbling, but it's also, it's very rewarding too, right? Because you get to learn. And that sparked this conversation with Rich, where I think, you know, that's definitely one of those those key principles that Rich himself holds dear. And so maybe have Rich talk a little bit just about like his perspective on that and how it grew into this talk. Yeah, Rich was one of the things you said to Chris. Now, wait, tell me again, you don't get paid for this? 
<laughs> I don't think I said that. <laughs> uh, I think I think my I was excited to hear that, and I think it's because you know one of my core values is lifelong learning, and it's not it's not the case for everybody, but in our industry, it's sort of important. And what I liked about it was, it, you know, I think it all predicated from the fact that you know three or four years ago, Kelsis was a you know a, a Rails shop primarily. And since then, you guys have transferred or transitioned into a full stack JavaScript agency. And and that's not an easy transition. And you have to be pretty nimble and willing to go through that transition because there's a lot of work involved and there's a lot of headache. It's painful for the staff that needs to do it. But yet you did it anyway. Like it was it was the most important thing for you. So you did it. And it's interesting because there are a lot of really, really smart people, really, really established agencies like Kelsis who won't do that. Right. And so that's, that's sort of the thing is like, you know, you can't just jump every time something cool comes around, right? Like today it's react will it be tomorrow. You know, maybe, maybe not. But at this, at some point you have to say, we got to go in all in on this. Otherwise, you know, our agency or our brand is going to fail, right? So how do you know when to make those decisions? You know, what does it take to make those decisions? And, you know, what kind of culture do you have to, to embrace those decisions when, you know, the, the, you know, the executive team says, okay, now do this, right? Because you guys, you know, usually aren't the ones writing all the code for it. Right, right. And I think, I think part of what we'll get to today is that with a continuous learning <clears throat> mindset, that, that one thing you just said that could give somebody anxiety, like, when do I know when I should do this? Like, how should, how do I know when to make this bet? And I, I feel like the answer is if you are constantly learning and constantly paying attention and doing stuff, it'll just be obvious. It'll just be like, oh God, we got to do this. Like, no, full stop. We're doing this. Like, not a, is this right? Is it going to change? I don't know. Like, the the trends in the industry are very, very, very clear to people that are learning and paying attention, I think. So what about, like, someone like DHH, right? You know, creates Rails. It's probably never going to leave Rails. Needs to maintain it for the community, I guess. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to, but it probably will. 37 Signals and Basecamp, all of their products are on that stack. Like he's a lifelong learner too, but he's not going to change. They're not going to change, right? Or or are they? Right? Like, yeah, I think it's just a, a really different position to be in when you have customers and people relying on something that you built. And in that case, you you know you have a responsibility to that. If he were to leave it and say, "I'm off. See ya. JavaScript time for me." That yeah. would be pretty awful. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, so some people are actually locked into this, regardless of if it yeah, starts yeah. to tank. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I guess let's talk about the rate of change a little bit in the tech industry and and kind of what some of the things that we do or 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 need to do, some of the things that people in general need to do in order to keep up with it. So, Chris, go ahead and just talk about that rate of change and what you've seen over the past seventy five years. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> I was like, I can't give a real number, so I'll give a fictitious one. <laughs> yeah, it's even it's even a higher number than that. <laughs> yeah, I, obviously, you know, no big surprise. Like, we're not, you know, some some grand prognosticators here saying that technology change is changing very very fast. And not only is it changing fast, but that that rate of change is even accelerating, right? So, like, we've talked about this before. Just in that one field, just looking at, like, say, AWS and the features and the services that are getting rolled out each year, I mean, that just continues to grow tremendously quickly. And it's like, a you know, drinking from a fire hose trying to, trying to keep up. And it's not just AWS. Obviously, it's the entire technology landscape. So there is plenty there to learn, to keep up, to... to Basically, just keep your education, your training, your skill set fresh. And it, and it really is one of those things in order to kind of continue to stay relevant. You, you have to, right? It's, 
it's almost like becoming a requirement. I think it's it, it's a harder requirement now than it was even 20 years ago. Again, because I think that rate of change is, is accelerating. So 20 years ago, you know, you could you could basically milk your your existing skill set and kind of like stick with that pattern of like, well, this is what I've always done and it works. Like that had a lot longer shelf life 20 years ago. It doesn't have much of a shelf life today, right? So I think this, you know, again, like this idea of continuous learning and really paying attention what's what's going on in there, you know, rolling up your sleeves, doing just building things, doing things is is just becoming more and more important for you to just just to stay relevant, right? To be able to do this. Otherwise, you end up kind of just withering, being marginalized, risk to be marginalized. And then you have to kind of like find other things that are, that you can do, right? So maybe you transition more into like soft skills or management. And if that's what you want, right? That, that there's, that may be just fine, but just if you want to stay in tech and do the work of tech, then continuous learning is just an absolute must. And being strategic about picking what it is that you do, right? So Rich touched on this a little bit with the questions of like, well, when do I adopt this or that? You know, one thing I I really believe in is like, it's not important for you to stay at the bleeding edge of technology. That's, that's not what's important, right? What's important is just kind of like being abreast and knowing what's going on. I think it's very pragmatic and smart to kind of wait and see how things play out because there is so much churn and there is so much innovation and a lot of it just either doesn't make sense or it peters out. So you can't, and and there's just too much of it, right? You can't go and do everything. So, but if you keep an eye on it and you watch it and and you wait and you have a trailing edge of adoption, say, and it could be like a two year trailing edge, like that's still a great thing. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Right. right, Like like CICD may have been like really popular, you know, like people started really talking about this maybe, you know, like in 2006 or seven or eight or nine or 10 or whatever it was. Right. But still pretty difficult to do and adopt, you know, now today it's, it's brain dead simple, right? There's no excuse for not doing it. So there's some place in between there, right. Where it makes sense to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to go start doing this. Right. So. I wanted to add to the to the sort of how do you how do you pick what you learn piece. I don't know how to quite describe this, but for me, I have just sort of this feeling of marginal returns on learning, which is where like I'll learn something kind of at a high level, get a sense for what it is, and then start digging deep deeper and deeper until it feels like every new thing I learn about it is producing fewer results. Like every extra hour I spend is is not really giving me that much more capability or knowledge or information that I can actually use today. And so I try to keep my learning kind of at that level until I'm ready to actually do something with a particular technology. So it's like sort of kind of a breadth first approach to technology learning where I'm going just deep enough to get to get to that marginal returns point and then moving on to the next thing that I want to find out about. And I think that's a part of it. And I think another part of it is just like picking your layer of of abstraction. So do you want to be more focused on what's happening in the cloud? Or do you want to be more focused on what's happening, you know, to to see, you know, like CPU architectures? Because there's stuff happening in both places. Like just recently, Intel announced some sort of new enclave technology that they have for secure processing. And that's really important to people working on things like Docker, like the actual, you know, container stuff, the code that creates containers. They care deeply about that. But if you're building business software, maybe you don't really need to know 
anything other than, oh yeah, that thing came out. I can just read one new news article about it and move on. So that's that's sort of my approach. I don't know. Do you have a similar approach, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a smart strategy and it's it's a necessary one, right? Again, we talked about like there is so much going on. It's you know the armies of people working in the industry and innovating you know, they're getting bigger and bigger. So you have to kind of specialize, right? You do have to, you have a limited amount of bandwidth, you know, personal bandwidth and and time. So, you know, be smart about it. Like, don't have that. Don't be paralyzed mm-hmm. by like having to like be overwhelmed by everything that there is to be learned, right? Pick the stuff that, you know, makes sense for you and your and your interest and your, your career and where you want to be. And yeah, you're going to have to do some specialization. So go broad and, you know, to get that that survey and, and landscape of what's going on. And then you have to be careful, you know, pick and choose where you want to go deep. Hey there, this is Rich. Please pardon this quick interruption. We recently passed an internal milestone of 30,000 listens, and I wanted to take a moment to thank you for the support. I was also hoping to encourage you to head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. Positive feedback and constructive criticism are both incredibly important to us. So give us an idea of how we're doing, and we'll promise to keep publishing new episodes every week. Okay, let's dive back in. So another thing that I've seen that's interesting that's happening recently, and, and it may be just my like perspective on it, but it made me realize that those of us that are, I don't know, Chris and Rich and I's age, so you know, over 40, have this weird advantage because we learned computers when they were kind of knowable. Like when Microsoft would release a new operating system, you could kind of know all about it, all the new features, you could kind of keep track of them. And you know, new programming language would come out. You could learn how to use it in, in, its, in, in its entirety, like basic, like it, it was basic. What else? You know, just the whole the whole thing, like how networking works, how computers work, all the way down to their architectures, risk versus sysk, all that stuff. That was what was available to us. So then as things got more and more complex, we just have this luxury of taking on new knowledge sort of on top of the existing knowledge. And And the great thing is that all that new stuff does depend on all that old stuff, like you know that these new secure enclaves in in Intel chips, like they're they're making use of you know principles that have been around for a long time. So where this is going, and this this is the interesting thing I've seen, is that I, I've noticed that some sort of notable developers, kind of in the in the internet world, one that's particularly coming to my mind is Jessie Frizzell. She's been unemployed recently and and has taken some time to just dig deep on some some of the more like computer-y stuff, like the computer architecture and like how how deep down systems work. And I think she's going that direction from having previously been more of a web developer. And I'm seeing it's not just her, but other like she's sort of inspiring other people to go take a look at computer history and think about systems architectures and, you know, just early days and how things were put together. And like people are reading these books that she's been putting on her book list. And it's like, this generation that came after us and who hopefully are listening to some of the things that we're saying on this podcast right now, I hope I'm talking to you, is like taking a trip down, a trip through history to pick up the things that we were just lucky enough to have grown up with. And I just think that's super fascinating. And it's part of, you know, this learning culture. And I think it kind of leads to another big point we want to make on this podcast, which is just that pattern. Like, what do you see as the typical pattern for people in this industry as they they mature and, and go through things? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think, you know, I think it's been pretty traditional in that, you know, people early in their career, they're the ones that are like software developers, writing lots of code, you know, working late, pounding the Coke, eating the pizza, 
least, I mean, that, that is kind of the stereotype. And I mean, it, to some respects, just the, the, the idea that, you know, coding is really for, for the younger people. And, and as you get older, like, that's just not, that's something that folks transition out of. So you, it, I mean, I think it is true, like in general, like, especially with software development, as, as people advance to their careers, less and less of them are actually doing software development. And instead they're you know being promoted up, you know, if you will, through, you know, man and becoming managers yeah. and doing that. Right. Can I add one, one piece of color to that? Just, uh, and I was just looking for this article and I'm going to look and look and maybe we can add it to the, to the show notes, but I was reading an article about why wasn't I chosen for principal engineer? And the whole article was, was like, you know, you crushing Trello cards better than anybody else on the team is not what makes you a principal engineer. And I would agree with that. Like we do expect somebody who is a principal engineer to have an influence on the entire development team and the entire development across organizations, even just in the entire technology practice within a company. But that kind of implies some soft skills and some management skills that are different than just pounding the code. So even inherently like there is an expectation that even if you stay a doer individual contributor that you do grow beyond that yeah again you know if you have pure hard skills like you're only going to go so far in the industry like soft Mm. skills are super important right and then just kind of that you know things like being able to mentor to be able to instill that culture of learning and the rest of the organization to do Mm. the influencing to operate at the architecture level you know, all that's super important, really hard stuff to do, but you also have to be super technical as well, right? You still have yeah. to be a doer. You still have to be hands-on. Yeah. You can't just not put in the work, right? It's just as hard to operate at that level and it requires just as much diligence and time as it does, you know, at, you know, just being, just banging out code. So most people, I think in this industry don't follow that trajectory. Like it's yeah. more like, Okay, I'm I'm no longer going to be hands-on coding. I'll do some managing. I'm a middle manager. They're not really staying fresh. Um, they're really just just doing the process, right? And not really evolving. And that makes them become less and less valuable um, to their organizations, right? And that's when you really start running into trouble. So all four, like we have to improve both our hard skills and our soft skills. And as you strike that balance, you become much more valuable, right? And that's a great place to be, but it still requires a lot of effort. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The the sort of classic joke that I that I hear a lot is, oh, yeah, it's been years since I touched code. Like you hear this on conference calls a lot, but it's sort of like, a way of trying to signal. I was once technical, and I, I can still talk the talk, but but yeah, it's been a while since I've had an IDE open. Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, I think one of like the primary indicators is just like how how comfortable am I? And I, I think this is a good good gauge for everyone, right? So if you if you're really comfortable in what you're doing day in and day out, and it's you're kind of like on autopilot, it's easy. It's it it's just warm and fuzzy. It's just like just autopilot mode, right? That is a huge warning sign, right? Mm-hmm. Danger, danger, danger. Cause it, that's a very clear indication that you are not growing, right? Mm-hmm. So change is hard. It's uncomfortable. We as humans, we resist it strongly and it, it's, it's difficult, right? It's painful. It requires effort, but you should really strive to have more of that in your life. And if you are, then that probably means you're doing a good job of, of evolving, right? And, and of, employing that continuous learning and you are growing mm-hmm. you need some of that discomfort in your life don't settle in right you essentially have a growth mindset mm-hmm. yeah i don't know chris and i rich have been kind of just sort of 
preaching to each other's choir here. We both sort of agree on this. Is there anything that you you have heard here that that strikes you as different or new, or anything that you're doing that is counter to or in agreement with what we've said? So I have a question sure. <clears throat> that'll put you on the spot, and you're probably not prepared for it. But if if we understand that continuous learning is imperative for a company, that means it's also imperative for the company culture. So mm-hmm. how are you empowering? the staff at Kelsey's to continually learn? What are you offering to them to make that possible? Ah, you know, that's a great question. So just this podcast for one, you know, it's like, hey, everybody give this a listen because we talk about a lot of the stuff that we care about. And some of the some of the things that you hopefully hear on this will actually, it's like we're your professors, you know, learn from what we're telling you. So that's a that's a little thing. But Another thing that we just recently did was we tried to evaluate some learning platforms and we looked at Pluralsight and it, it looked pretty good. We ended up like, if anyone from Pluralsight is listening, please, I hope you are. We ended up like getting all the way through the sales process with them and then finally rejecting them because we were, I, was, I personally was so appalled at their high pressure sales tactics that I finally just blew up the deal. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. So we're going to find another learning platform other than Pluralsight. Yeah. Anybody that's like like writing me emails at 9.30 at night or 10 at night saying you only have two more hours to sign the contract before the deal goes away, F you. You're, you're dead to me. So yeah, that's Pluralsight. But we're looking, you know, we've we've also been using A Cloud Guru for, which we've talked about before in this podcast, for learning about the cloud and getting prepared for certifications. We've had a couple of people go through A Cloud Guru courses to, and then actually achieve their AWS certifications, which is super cool to see. I love seeing it, people at Kelsey's get certified in AWS. And then also Udemy and Udacity. We pretty commonly use those for learning little things. And then the other thing that we, that we're trying to do is, and this is this is kind of an experiment, but we talked about it recently on the podcast. You know, I'm putting together this open source project that's big enough for everybody on the team to contribute to, and I'm hoping that by sort of leading by example, like, hey, look, your your leader is literally writing code and literally putting this out there for the world to comment on and talk about. You should be doing the same. Like that, hopefully, will will be like a light for people to see. Like, oh yeah, look, even our even even John does some code, opens the IDE, and works on stuff. Yeah, and, and the other part of that too, Rich, is just you can foster continuous learning by literally just pushing your team over the edge, right? So we've I think we've kind of done that at Kelsis as well. It's like this transformation into from a mobile app only shop to something that's more full stack and into the cloud and kind of understanding more about distributed systems and things like scalability and performance and and running production software like all that stuff was just those became goals and it sparked Mm -hmm. massive new areas of just learning that had to happen right like things had to be done completely different i mean a great example is going back to episode one of MobyCast and talking about Docker and how it's one of those things that it's really different for for folks when they first adopt it. They have to go through this learning period. They have to things that they didn't learn, they didn't know before. Things like networking and and storage and whatnot. Maybe they didn't think about it. They now did have to. So just by doing things like that, right, of setting charters for the for the organization to say, you know what, we're going to start doing, we're going to use containerization, and just by that you now have to have a bunch of learning going on. So big part of it. Great stuff. Does that answer your question, Rich? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually thinking about that quite a bit. It was completely independent of this podcast, but 
I've always thought that, you know, when entrepreneurs or the owner of the company says, I need to clone myself, I've always thought what that person really means is they need to clone their personal values and find people who have those personal values. And I think that when you have a team full of lifelong learners, it facilitates itself. It's really hard to find out whether or not you have those people on your team until they're on your team. But I think in addition to, you know, pushing them over the edge or as a result of pushing them over the edge, you also have to have this mentality of it's okay to break things, right? At least once, right? Don't break them. Don't break the same thing twice, but <laughs> you, you need to be able to allow that. And that's hard for businesses, right? Like if right, you have, right, sure. you have someone who's really trying to push his or herself things are going to break as a result. And, and there needs to be some sort of balance there between you know, how, how you can give them the autonomy to do that, but at the same time, not let them go too far that they really need you know, more senior people to pick up the pieces. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, when you were talking and saying all that, I just kept thinking of Elon Musk. I have some, I think that he's a little bit that way, like, right. He just throws people over the edge and yeah, sometimes things break. Yeah. But yeah. that's the one, one of the things, you know, there's many things about Elon Musk, but I think that's one of the best things. Okay. Well, I think we should probably wrap up. It's been about a half an hour that we've been talking and this is the kind of topic that we could be still having drinks and talking at five o'clock this evening about. So let's leave it and let's let people finish their commute and we'll talk again next week. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Chris. Later. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at movicast.fm forward slash 51. If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you, and we'll see you again next week.